We don't often think about the voiceover artists behind TV and radio commercials, cartoons, documentaries, drama and video games. But they're actual people, most of them. I'll be interviewing some of the very best to get an inside track on life behind the microphone. I'm Simon Lipson and this is Your Popping. I'm delighted to welcome to your popping today, drummer, stand-up comedian, top, top impressionist, and of course, master voiceover, it's Darren Altman. How are you, Darren? I'm very well, Simon. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, it's a delight to to have you on. Of course, we chatted on uh, my other podcast, uh, Making an Impression, and we talked about your process. It's interesting, as I've mentioned, the drumming, the, the, the stand-up comedy, uh, the voiceovering and impressions. What Do you see yourself as one thing or the other or a jack-of-all-trades? I say I'm a voiceover artist, but I mean, if we were in America, I'd probably call myself a voice actor mm-hmm. because, you know, the impressions and characters, and obviously I put a lot of stuff out on social media. Yeah. So I'm if I say I'm known for, it sounds a bit pretentious, but I guess I'm known for doing a lot of impressions. I put out a lot of Boris and Trump and what have you. Yeah, I mean, the bread and butter stuff, uh, you know, your corporates, your web videos, a lot of radio ads, e-learning, um, TV ads, whatever comes around, really. I should just say, I urge our listeners to get onto your Twitter feed and your various social media streams because... Uh, as you say, you do an awful lot of great impressions, and you've, you've recently put up a, a Boris using the deep fake technology, which must have been an interesting experience. That was great, yeah. So I went into a studio, and um, I took my Boris wig, and they put a green screen behind me, and I, and I did some Boris, and they superimposed his face on mine, and uh, that was good fun. And I've recently done two deep fake Trumps. I put up an ASMR. Uh, are you familiar with ASMR? Educate me. It's basically... People love all the atmospheric whispering and they tickle the microphone like this. And if you've got a 360-degree mic, you can hear noises and they... It's disgusting. (laughs) I'm sure it's for perverts and they do things like cut up plastic and burst bubbles and it's all sort of auto sense it's that's it as it's something like auto sensory something something so we did a donald trump asmr and we had donald playing with marbles saying i've got all my marbles sleepy joe has lost his marbles It was disgusting. And they got me. It didn't end up on the final cut. But they, <laughs> while I was in the studio, they got in a, from Deliveroo a hamburger. And they had me eating a hamburger <laughs> into the mic. So you hear all my mouth noises. It was disgusting. But the, the final video is hilarious. They gave me my own Trump wig. And I had my own stylist there. And they put me... Um, behind the White House. Oh, it was brilliant. It was- well, it sounds great. I mean, it does sort of point up, doesn't it, that, that you do get to see so many different things on your way around the various studios, whether it be you know a voiceover job or, or something like that, which is a voice and vision. What's the weirdest, that already sounds like the weirdest job you've ever had. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, what's the weirdest job that you've done over the years as a, as a voice talent or a voice actor? Wow. I mean... I get asked to do a lot of different stuff. I get asked to play a lot of weird characters. So, you know, I may get a script. They might want me to play a blocked drain. Yeah. Uh, 
or I remember I had to do that for some sort of local builders. So, you know, I'm a block drain, you know, I love clearing, you know, visit so-and-so builders in. Da, 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 da. So it's like you have to be a block drain. Or I once got pretty early in, in my career, I had to play a, a superhero pig. It was just very bizarre. And I think I ended up sounding like, hi, I'm Banksy, the superhero pig. <laughs> Um, <laughs> if you can imagine waking up and you think, you know, what am I going to do today? Oh, I'm a superhero pig. I mean, it's just beggars belief, some of the stuff we get asked to do. Well, it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? That I mean, quite often you go into a voiceover, particularly weird ones like that, and they're, they're kind of expecting you to invent the character, to give the character life, because quite often they don't really know what they're looking for till they hear someone like you. And I, I know Simon Greenall, who did the meerkat, does the meerkat. I know that he went in. They said, look, we kind of want someone with a, a Russian accent. And then, of course, he started doing all that. And then they realized they had their voice. But it was a case of go in and try something and kind of hear what works. I heard an interview with Lewis, and I'm sure they got him in to do it as well. So where is Simon, you know, meerkat, meerkat.com. He was up there. Yeah, I, I think Lewis did him down there. So they end up going with Simon. But I'm sure I saw an interview with Lewis where he said that he went up for that as well. But like you say, you, they don't know what they want until they hear it. But if you look at the creatures now, they're so cute and cuddly. It sort of lends itself to being up there. I mean, I remember I did a voiceover for Pedigree Charm. And, you know, they have this om nom nom thing going on and they wanted something for their website where I would do om nom nom. And they, they kept saying to me, can you do it in Liverpudlian? Like, what? And then so I'd have to kind of talk myself, you know, talk like that a bit, you know, like that and go om nom nom. <laughs> or, you know, Geordie way eight, way eight, om nom nom. And then I, then, they, then I kind of had to start doing it as impressions. You know, Ronnie Corby. So I remember coming out of that particular session thinking, what the fuck? Well, I don't know what I've just done there. It's the most peculiar. Going back, I remember from our previous chat on making an impression that you studied music, you trained and were working in bands. So how did, so I mean, for people who didn't hear that, interview and i urge them to go across and have a listen because there's tons of great impressions and interesting stuff from darren on that but just for the purpose of, of our chat today how did you make the transition from musician and i know you still are a musician but you know to, to principally being a, a voice artist well as you said i've always uh, did impressions and i've always had a good ear and i think that's why i sort of let myself to being a musician and um, you know i studied at leeds college of music trinity college of music then did my graduate diploma at the Guildhall and I've always done impressions and take the piss out of friends and impersonated everyone that came within five feet of me I could just hear where they would come and pick up on mannerisms and and then I did a bit of hospital radio and enjoyed that in about 1990 91 and then for some reason I don't know why but I made a very crude demo a voiceover demo and I don't know what why I did it, I don't know what propelled me to do it, but I did. And how long ago was that, roughly? Oh, wow. So that must have been maybe 2003, 2000, mm -hmm. something like that. And I sent it out to agents. I think I just did a load of characters, and I got my first agent. And pretty quickly, I ended up doing computer games and even TV commercials and ISDN sessions. I didn't have a setup on my own, so they used to take me to studios, and I went to their studios in London. And it just all stemmed from there. And then I just got better and better. And I studied 
I had lessons with a very good friend of mine now, Nancy Wolfson in LA. Because mm-hmm. what I used to do is I used to sort of default to uh, this voiceover mode. And I used to do this and sound like a bit of a knob. Um, yeah. And everything used to be at the back of the throat because I thought that's how voiceovers spoke, <laughs> which is far from my normal voice. But that was, I just sort of defaulted into that Mickey Mouse sort of voice. Hi, I'm voiceover man. And Nancy soon got that out of me pretty quickly. And I studied with a few more people and, um, and just, it just transitioned really. I mean, I was still drumming and then doing more voiceover stuff. And then it occurred to me, and this is going to sound really crude, but I mean, it's the truth that I could make a lot more money staying at home doing voiceovers than I could slapping my drums in the car, driving to Park Lane, double parking, slapping my drums out, getting a ticket, going through the fucking kitchen, doing a get, you know, sound check at four, <laughs> yeah. leaving at fucking 12, at home at one for 150 quid. And I just thought, fuck that, mm. I'm done. So the voiceovers progressed. I just thought, well, this is taking care of itself, really. Yeah. And I've just been working very, very hard at it since. And there is, a, I think, a common misconception about voiceover work i mean i've got friends who say well what do you do you just go in a studio there's it's written out for you you just say it you just say words i mean what's the big deal and i often protest and say do you know what it's really skillful and it takes a lot of learning you can't just turn up in a voiceover studio and read stuff out you've got to be able to modulate your voice you've got to be able to hit the right words in the right way you've got to be able when they say to you simon you're you're two seconds over. We need this quicker. You've got to be quicker and you've got to know where to do it quicker. So it's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery, but it's skillful. And I'm interested in you talking there about taking some training because actually most people I know in in the voiceover game weren't trained. I certainly wasn't. I kind of learned as I went along and I was an impressionist like you, but I was a stand up and I got into voiceover work that way because people say, well, you can do, come and do a, a Leeds accent, come and do an impression of David Attenborough, whatever it might be. Mm. But I'm fascinated by this training that you took. So take, tell us a little bit more about that. The character stuff was all right. And, you know, I've, I've always been pretty confident, but I, I just thought day-to-day stuff, corporate. So there was just something which was bugging me. And like I said, it was this voiceover mode. I used to default. And someone told me about Nancy out in LA. And I thought in my naivety that being from LA and being American, that all I would have to do is open my mouth and she would go, oh my God, Darren, I love your accent. It's so (laughs) cool. Keep talking. Oh my God. I love." And she didn't. She would just say, don't shout. Why are you talking like that? Stop doing that. Stop, stop, stop. And I would pick up again. No, go from the beginning. And she would fucking roast me on sessions. Yeah. In radio scripts, in, in this country, it tends to be a tight 30 second, very rarely 40, but tight 30 second with 10 second cut downs. Mm-hmm. But in the US, it seems to be, you can have a radio ad that goes on for you know a minute. Mm. And so she would get me to explore the patterns in a commercial and dissect the text and what's being said, who are we talking to? What do they want? What do they want to convey? What's the demographic? What's the mood? Is there a payoff at the end, which may hark back to something you said at the beginning? And it's being able to spot all these patterns and adjust your read accordingly, along with styles coming and going. People more and more just want my natural conversational voice. Mm. I mean, I can I can affect RP and I can go into voiceover mode. That's no problem. But 
you know, there are other people who've got that naturally. Mm. So when producers call me for something, they know my natural speaking voice and that's what they want. You know, they just want me to be sort of conversational, chatty. See, I'm the type of person that if, if I'm going to do something, I don't Mickey Mouse, I go and do it properly. And I thought, even though I've got a good ear, and I suppose you could say sort of a nat- natural aptitude, whatever you want to call it, I just wanted to, to study and finesse my skills and just make sure that I'm doing the best job on sessions and being authentic and genuine. And, and she was great for that. She really was. It's great stuff that. And I, and I think, again, you know, as we talk about the misconceptions about voiceover work that you know sometimes you just turn up and in a studio there's a script right maybe I, I like to try and get a script ahead of time but sometimes that's just not possible you know you've got an hour and you need to get this thing done but you still want to just take that moment don't you to look at it what am I doing what's what are we conveying here what's what's the purpose of this what do I need to hit and so you're having to compress all of those thoughts into you know five minutes while they're setting up outside you just get your head together so that when you do that because time is money you do it right for anybody who thinks that that this is a a turn up and speak thing probably needs to have a think about it and i also think that the training we quite a few people that you and i both know from the facebook groups offer training that act dialect training accents mm. technique and so on and it probably as well for people coming into the business to to take some proper training and take it seriously because it's it's not something you can just turn up and do well i think so and, and when i first started you know when i was on a, a session an isdn session whether it was a tv commercial or a or radio ad you know a lot of times i used to lose my bottle in you know mm. the nerve would go and I used to panic and I used to give them a read and a producer would say, okay, it sounds a little bit voiceover. It sounds a bit, sounds a bit silly to me mm. and I wouldn't know what to do. And studying with Nancy, she gave me a few tips and tricks, which I employ now. And, you know, I'm able to change my read. So if they say, I mean, I'm they, you know, I still do get that direction, you know, that's great, Darren, but could you just, it sounds a bit, bit silly. Can you just take the edge off it? And I go, yeah, no problem. And I know exactly what to do. You know, when people think that you can just waltz up, read aloud, if you go, you know, I've this that old thing, isn't it? I've got a nice voice. I've been told I've got a nice of voice. Course, yeah. You know, well, I own a steak knife, but it doesn't make me Gordon fucking Ramsay. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, you you know, you get them on a session where you've got the client in Holland, you've got an engineer in London, you've mm. got maybe a couple of creatives in Germany, and someone sticking their oar in in Italy, and that's not being glib or flip you know that happens yeah and so you've got five or six people on the line and they're all talking in different languages and then the line goes dead while they want to talk to themselves you know you've just got to hold your nerve you just got to keep calm listen take direction someone want may have this idea can we say it like this someone might want to go up at the end someone want you to make go down and now because you know i've done it for so long i can give so many variations in reads i can give five reads of the same line, loads of different intonations, loads of different volume styles. And I go, there you go, fill your boots, take your pick. And if you want more, no problem. We're there to provide a voice and to do it to the best of our ability and to to meet the requirement that's thrown at you. And that can often mean lots of different requirements. And and sometimes you're dealing with competing directions. I'm going to ask you about this because um, I mean, I remember doing an a voiceover. It was in a studio where I had to stand facing a massive screen, watching the advert, 
And I'd had the script in front of me and I had to read the script. And behind me were 12 people. <laughs> uh, so there was a, an agency from Ireland. They were lovely, lovely people. There were the, the London creatives. And as you say, all kinds of people chipping in. And I have to say, even as a quite inexperienced voiceover artist, it was unnerving because you're doing, you know, it's kind of like a live performance and there's the audience. Instead of you just giving your performance, they're saying, hang on, do that joke again, do that thing again. And how do you then deal with that? Because they can't all be right, can they? How do you deal with, you know, as I say, those competing directions? What's your, you know, apart from giving lots of reads, is there, is there ever a point where you'll say, look, guys, I don't know quite what I'm doing here because <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. I think the, the trick is to stay calm. Mm. Don't get agitated. Don't let them get to you. Listen, do your best, give lots of different inflections, have the ability to have a really good ear. Volume is a good trick, you know, push it a little bit, pull yeah. back on it a little bit. If you know how to, and I don't want to sound um, arty-farty, but if you know how to use a microphone in respect that it's an instrument, that is a different sound to that. Yeah instantly you know so know how to use the microphone keep calm go up at the end go down you can make yourself sound a little bit more formal more conversational as if i was talking to you in a pub and if you're still getting conflicting directions then you know ask questions so well listen can, can you visualize it can you give me examples what do you need and try and work with them at the end of the day like you said we're providing a service it's not about us you know um saying hey you know look at me i'm in a booth in a london student no one gives a fuck no um because it is this could be a campaign which could be worth tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of pounds you know like you say you've 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 voiced for land rover you know the reason they're getting you in is because they want to sell tens of thousands of land rovers sure. which is going to make them millions of pounds sure. that's not something to be sniffed at is it Absolutely. Yeah, but the stakes are high and quite often in these cases. And, and, and even if you're doing a low-paid job, it, it matters to that client. When I'm in a studio and, you know, doing something for Coca-Cola, which I've done you know, on a couple of bits, or I'm at home doing an advert for 26 quid mm. for um, Bob's Paintworks at the end of Clapton High Street. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't make a difference. I've still got to do a good job. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, I, I, I know how I would answer this, but I'm interested to hear what you would say about artistic input. Do you ever feel there's a point where you can say to your the creatives out there look this is i think this is how it should be or are you completely you know the servant to their particular whim do you feel that's a line you shouldn't cross that's an interesting question i don't know if i would ever use that phrase i don't know if i would say because that you sort of it's i wouldn't use that i wouldn't say listen this is because you're telling them what what you think yeah i would offer my input and say well listen i've just and i, and I do do this on sessions i say listen i've just heard something can i just give you something please and that's a nice way of getting something that you're hearing in your head out there. Say, can I just try something, please? I've just got an idea. Can I just, and I read it. And that's a very nice thing because they may bin it, which is their prerogative, or they may go, oh, bloody hell, that's, that's okay. Let's go with that then. So it's just a case of phrasing things. And like you say, being amenable, I wouldn't actually say, this is how I think it should go. It's a yeah. case of phrasing it. So you're still being there, not servant, you're still appeasing to their better nature but yeah. you're you're getting your point of view or something that you can hear across to them which may alter the way they hear it something like land rover which i've been doing for nearly 10 years they sometimes say to me look you know how to do it you know you've been doing this long enough and they'll they'll almost accept the read that i think 
works. Not always, but there are just rare occasions where I might just say, look, this is, this is how I'm hearing it. And I don't think putting the emphasis on that word that you've suggested, I don't think that works. I'll try it. But let me give it to you how I hear it, and then then I'll do it. You know, and I, as you say, it's a it's a case of kind of slightly negotiating your position there. But in the end, if you have to do something uncomfortable vocally that feels uncomfortable, you just do it. It's what you're there for. You get paid to do that, and you know. You're- well, sometimes don't forget a script can be a bit clunky as well. You know, and so you know, if if we're reading something and it doesn't sound natural to us to read, then you know we're perfectly at liberty to say, listen, do you mind if I change? you know, it is for it's or uh, that for whatever, you know, and if, if, if the idea, they turn around and say, I'm sorry, it's been cleared. It is what it is. Then that's fine. But again, it's perfectly uh, fair or or, uh, not allowable. It's perfectly fair for us to sort of question things and say, do you mind if we try it like this? Have you ever had a script? Because I, I, I know I have had a script from uh, abroad that's been translated and it's been (laughs) translated quite badly. Oh God. Yeah. 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 All the time. I mean, there's there's a radio station in France, and um, sometimes uh, it's a little bit pigeon, or things may be a bit clunky, you know, to read. So I'll read it, and then I'll say, um, I'm just going to give you an alt on this, and I'll read it again. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you get a script, and it's obviously gone through Google Translate, and I'll try and do my best. But if I just think it's like polishing a turd, and it's going to be more hassle than it's worth, yeah. I'll email them back and say, listen, sorry to say this but with all due respect this isn't it's not the best english can we go away have this rewritten and i'm you know is there a direction that just struck you so weird something you just couldn't even begin to translate to into your your vocal performance i can't think of one on on the top of my head generally if you're working with a producer of any caliber yeah then it's it's their job they know how to deal with with voiceovers and how to you know some people It'll be a bog standard script. We will chat for 25 minutes about Spurs and Man U and Liverpool. And then he'll say, okay, let's get this shit done. And I'll give them two or three reads and they'll go, brilliant, Darren. Thanks a lot. Speak to you soon, mate. Others, they will direct you within an inch of your life. They'll repeat phrases for you to sing back. They'll go, sale ends bank holiday Monday. And I'll go, sale ends bank holiday Monday. Then Then you'll hear a sale ends bank holiday Monday. And I'll go, sale ends bank holiday Monday. So they're literally conducting me and getting me to sing the tune that's in their head that's fine i don't have a problem with that listen as long as they're happy leave me to get on with it direct me tell me what to do yeah don't bother me i'm recalling one horrible thing that happened to me all i had to say was 70 years young 70 years young and i must have said 70 years young 350 times i think what happened is they lost sight of what it was they wanted to hear no doubt they went with your first take, you know, which, which means they led you a fucking merry dance for <laughs> half an hour. And <laughs> yeah. Well, it does happen though, doesn't it? That you'll go into a session and you, you know straight away that they don't actually have a, a clear vision of what it is they want you to do, what they want to hear. And you can go round and round in circles. I, I know there's one creative I worked with a few times and he was great because he would say, look, this is how I think you should do it. And we do it and blah, 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 blah. Then you go right at the end. You say, right, now just do your thing. Whatever you think it should be, you do it. And he he used to say to me, you'll probably do it exactly how it needs to be done. Mm. But I needed all that other stuff. And and then then he's got a little bit of a a smorgasbord to choose from. And you you can take bits and pieces of different reads and and end up with something. But you do get that, don't you, sometimes, where you think they don't know what what it is. And perhaps I need to lead this a bit. 
that's fine too. You know, if you've got a producer that's got a very, very clear vision and they want to get across what they want from me, that's perfectly fine. It's my job to try and interpret the sound that they've got in their heads. That's fine. Yeah. If you've got someone who really doesn't and is open to a, a few things, that's fine too. Uh, you know, I don't, I really don't have a problem. I don't, um, I don't have a, obviously it's, it's more fun if we can play and give them a load of voices or styles. Sure. But you know, I think there's more than one way to skin a cat. And it, you know, as long as I keep on saying it, as long as they go away happy, uh, then whether I've thrown the kitchen sink at it, so to speak, or I've just given them the read that they want is fine. There's a gaming company called uh, Sex, and I always spell it out because it's C-E-X, and it's on the high street, and you can buy and sell games and consoles and tech. And I do a lot of their YouTube pre-roll and social media ads, and, and they um, they want me to do like a Brian Blessed-style uh, voiceover. Um, Get your games at Sex! You know, that all that nonsense. They got me in to read for a, a TV commercial, and... I, I mean, without exaggeration, I started off at Brian Blessed. Then they wanted me to read in my natural voice. Then they said, could you do it in a sort of Yorkshire? Then they said, what about Lancashire? Then they said, Northern Ireland. And then they said, what about a sort of really posh gentleman? And I, and I gave them, I mean, I must have read this commercial for about an hour. Yeah. Absolutely. Kitchen sink. And um, they said, that's great, Darren. Thank you so much. Well, we've got, the, we've got the, the, the YouTube stuff. We'll let you know about the commercial. And I thought, bloody hell, they're going to have to pick through a fucking shed loads of stuff here yeah. anyway i saw it on tv it wasn't even me it was some geezer and it basically was <laughs> i thought i mean i listened to it and i thought that's the script i've just bloody read for an hour and um it was some it was some guy and um he was talking like that it, they, they it was some people in a boat they're saying they are trying to escape from a ruddy shark and i thought i gave them that style in the book I gave them bloody everything <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're speaking to me today from your home studio, which uh, from I'm, I'm looking at you on the on Zoom, and it looks like a beautifully appointed suite of your own. Mm. Prior to COVID, what was the sort of proportion of work you'd be doing in professional studios and home? I mean, occasionally, uh, you know, you go into Soho, you go into town or studios, and um, you know, you meet the clients, and you know, you, especially if it's dubbing to picture, um, mm. you know, they want you to do something. Then uh, you go into town, uh, and you're in and out. But a lot of the time, even if it's TV, I mean, from this studio, I've done tv campaigns you know national tv radio uh games apps museum guides promos that go to la you know guns and yeah. roses mariah carey you know, tv ads here um and there's a, an ad running at the moment for Violeta, a mop and um the, the actor has got a beard and he's talking about um you know cleaning the floor and Violeta mops or whatever and it's my voice and i didn't even do that to picture i think they showed me the video of some, I don't know what the voice was, a Dutch voice. Uh, and I basically replicated it and we did it and we didn't even sync it up. I was doing it and they just, it just, it just worked. So yeah. the amount of stuff you can do now and be directed by producers and creatives all over the world, it's nice and easy. I mean, it's quite fun going into uh, studios in town. It's, you know, gets you out the house, but uh, it's, it's not a prerequisite. I wonder if COVID is going to change the way that the, the industry works. I mean, I, I turned down a job yesterday because they wanted me to go into a studio to do it. Now, I'm, I consider myself slightly vulnerable being an asthmatic, so I'm, I'm avoiding everything. So I had to turn it down, and they wouldn't do it from you know, my home setup, which is nowhere near as sophisticated as yours, but I have used it for adverts that have been on the radio and TV. So it obviously mm. works. Do you think that 
that might be the way the industry will develop over time? Or do you think you're still going to always going to need the professional studio where you can see the creatives just outside in the, you know, outside the booth and you know the, the engineers working with you in that kind of lockstep fashion? Yeah, I mean, I think COVID's taught us definitely that, you know, this is things can be done. I mean, like I said, if you're dubbing to picture and it, a lot of, but mind you, having said that, you know, Simon, I, I narrated a 12 part series for channel five here and I didn't even see, they sent me the clip, some clips from the first show mm. and the rest of it was just all off the, off the script. And I wasn't reading to time. I wasn't looking at anything and I was doing, it was one of these car crash, you know, clip shows. Yeah. And I was going, oh, look at this idiot. Whoa, easy tight and all of this. And, you know, yeah. and it was a lot of fun. And I did 12 episodes from here and I really didn't see a picture. It can be done. And um, yeah, I think that this whole lockdown thing and COVID is is basically saying that we can do it equally as good a job. There's no reason that the work should be compromised just because we're at home. No. Well, in the end, it's, it's about getting a good sound and being sufficiently, you know, well connected to the people who are directing you to make sure that you've got that kind of instant, you know, to th things kind of gel, don't they? Because when you, when you in, as I was saying, in a studio, there's that everyone's there and everyone can see you and, and, and there's that connection. You can just catch someone's eye and you can see if things are right or wrong. At this remove, it does just create a, a small barrier but i think you know as you say it's it's over you can overcome it and and you produce the quality of work that you would in the studio i mean maybe in in terms of like forming relationships if you if you're going out and meeting the creatives and meeting the producers then maybe that's going to sort of stand you in a good stead in the long run but i mean you know you can as long as you're doing a good job and you're polite and you're professional and you're not you know effing and blinding or swearing every time you make a mistake and you're not being difficult then you, you know that you're a nice to work with yeah i always say at the end of a session you know is are you done do you need me to do anything more you know can i help you with anything you know and, and be amenable and be someone that a producer wants to to work with again and knows that if they come to to you or me or whoever they know they're going to get a great job lots of variety we're going to nail it be hassle-free and they can come back again you know am i right in saying you actually generate your own work outside of the work your agent provides yeah yeah i mean the vast majority is me and my agent uh will get me occasionally bits and pieces so I work very, very hard, you know, promoting myself, mm -hmm. uh, marketing, um, updating my reels, updating my website, working social media, uh, connecting with people, uh, LinkedIn, getting my content out there, tweeting and all of that. But one thing that I will stress is that there are certain situations and people I think are afraid to do this or they don't want to do it because they're afraid of giving away you know, 15%, but there are certain situations where it pays to have an agent. In the last few days, I've directed um, people to my agent because I want to take myself out of the equation. I want him to negotiate for me. And if there's any further usage, I can't name, I'm sorry to be one of these people that goes, oh, I don't want to talk about it because that winds me the fuck up. But <laughs> it's been in the last couple of days, so I can't really say. Someone approached me to do a game in a pub, voicing something and I took that to my agent because it was just easier for, for him to deal with all the implications if they want mm -hmm. to put it on various platforms, further usages, etc. I had someone approach me from Channel 4 today to do something over Christmas. Um, I didn't ask what the rate was. I just said, that's absolutely great. Uh, happy to do that for you. And I put them in touch with my agent because, again, it's, it's simpler 
you know, it's it's Channel Four, it's Endemol. They're used to dealing with that. They don't necessarily it won't affect them if if they go through um, my agent as opposed to dealing with me direct. And it shows a good relationship with me and him. And you know, if the shit hits the fan, he's there. He can maybe leverage whatever you know the rates. Um, he knows a better understanding of the rates than, than me in that respect. So yeah. that's why you have them and that's why you pay them their, your, your 15% because it makes sense. I think you're right. And I, and, you know, I, I sometimes I did a, a little spell where I thought I'll, I'll do some freelancing work as well. And I thought, I'd, then I thought, am I charging the right sums here? You know, there are rate cards people can look at, go to mm. websites like Gravy for the Brain, and there are other places you can find these, the rates. But then you think, oh, I don't know how many times it's going to go out. Do I go for a buyout? Do I go for... Uh, you know, uh, per play or whatever it might be. And then I just thought, no, <laughs> my agent gets this much better than I do. So mm. pointless even trying to to involve myself in that. I was going to ask you about the, the types of work that you do. Do they ever take you into a studio where you're with other people? And I'm always interested in, in, in tales of well-known people that you shared a studio with. Is that part and parcel of your palette of, of work? Uh, not not really. I have gone in and done bits and pieces. I did an advert, uh, a radio campaign, and I think there were four of us in the, the booth, and we all had to be various fishermen. Yeah, uh, That was quite fun. I did something for Netflix where I played a giant and a few other characters, and that was good fun, and animation uh, acting with, with some, some other people you can bounce off. Um, I mean, I know I've done radio ads where you know they've said, oh, we've got whoever on the Brian Blessed or Joanna Lumley, but you know, you don't meet them. You don't yeah. even hear them. They just, you just read your part and then they produce it and that's it. So yeah. unfortunately I cannot tell you tales of me having ah, espresso well. martinis with Joanna Lumley or <sighs> you know, Miriam Margulies, unfortunately. Sorry. That's, that's, a major, <laughs> that's a major disappointment. I, 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 mean, I obviously wouldn't want you to dish the dirt. I mean, I, I did a voiceover with, with James Corden before he was James Corden, oh, if you know what I mean? Uh, and Rob Brian. We'll be right back, everybody. We'll be right back. He's he's got <laughs> yes. this inflection that when he speaks, everything sounds like that because he's in LA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how great he is at a voiceover, but it hardly matters, does it? I mean, there is this cult of the celebrity voice. In the old days, I'd go in and say, can you sound a bit like Chris Evans? Can you sound a bit like... And, you know, you just go and do it and no one seemed to care yeah. if you were doing almost a a direct impersonation of somebody, it would still go out on the radio. Uh, I think nowadays there is that, isn't there, that people, they need the voice, someone famous, to sound, you know, to back that product. I mean, I know when I do my Land Rover ads, the person who does Jaguar ads, and we tend to do the same, We, you know, we our sessions follow each other because they're often doing the same sorts of things, is Mark Strong. Mark turns up and He's got a very distinctive voice, and that's what they're paying for it. They're paying, they want Mark Strong, and they want people to know it's Mark Strong. Well, the amount of times I do sound alikes, and you've got to be careful. I mean, there are people that we all know, and they want me to sound like, you know, maybe David Attenborough or uh, other voiceovers or other celebrities, and you've got to be careful that yeah. um, there are legal implications. Someone wanted me to do a Morgan Freeman, your mate uh, from, yeah. from the other podcast, Morgan Freeman, and I said, I said, I'm happy to do that. But, you know, so I took it again, took it to my agent and we, we found out that more than, you know, I'm more than Freeman. Uh, by the way, that, that's just cost you 250 quid. <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently like he, um, 
quite a few million dollars, you know, just to not do the advert, you know, yeah. for someone I became friends with uh, the guy that did it on on Twitter. Yeah, well, I, in uh, fact, he he uh, was on. Oh my yes, show. of course, yes, 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 he was on making an impression, and uh, and he told took us through the more more than story. Yeah, no, it was yeah. it was great. So um, you've got to be careful because um, I think I think it's called the law is called passing off. Passing off. So you yeah. can't. So you can't say, you know, I'm so and so. And I endorse this product because yeah. that's just blatantly not true. So well, I, are... I once did a voice for Norwich Union, and they wanted me to do Attenborough. Now I'm not—I would never sell myself as an Attenborough impersonator, but quite clearly that's who I was doing. You know, and then at the end of it, I said, "Look, we'll, we'll never get away with that." Um, so I then did a kind of Attenborough light. So it was, mm. tr- you know, if someone said that's a direct impression, I could say. Well, actually, no, it's not. You hear, you hear the, the differences. Then after that, they did genuinely ask me to do another one as Ronnie Corbett. And so I said, well, I did it for them, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Norwich Union, whatever it was. I did the thing for them. And then they, uh, the word I got back was that they played it to Ronnie Corbett as a courtesy <laughs> to his agent. And his agent said, if you want that voice, you get Ronnie. There's an advert on, actually, it's on at the moment. I think it's on Channel 4. I haven't seen it, but it's for Best Heating. Yeah. And they wanted, um, it was, you know, one of these sort of jungle things. It was for radiators, and they wanted an, an Attenborough. And I think I started off like this, you know, in the world of home heating, the radiator. And they said, no, no, no. So it ended up being like this, which is a sort of whispery generic. So that's not David Attenborough. It went no. from a David Attenborough impression to that, in the style of you'd call yes. it but clearly it's not him there are ways around it yeah i mean there are ways around it it's a, it's a tricky area and i think probably you know you can get away with this kind of generic voice as you say that mm. kind of attenborough light voice yeah, uh, yeah but there are some voices that are so distinctive and if you if you're doing morgan freeman it's morgan freeman and that's what you're doing yeah. you know, well, well you're trying to sell it off the back of that and therefore yeah. special permissions are needed What's your, because you, you do everything, you do, you know, the, the straightforward big sell, you do video games, you do, uh, I guess you do animations, and you're also, do you do radio plays? I've done a couple, it's not really, it's something I'd, I'd like to do more of, but uh, it's not a regular thing of mine, I have done a couple. But what would be your favourite, or do you have a favourite, or is it, is, is it all equally uh, appealing? I guess something that, I mean, the bread and butter stuff we do, web videos and corporates and e-learning, you know, it's, that's fine. You know, it's its not, I can't even say, the thing is, I've got a really crap memory. So you've got a lot of people and they go, oh, I read something about the uh, Court Spring B7189 valve today and learned all about oil rigs <laughs> and, and the, the placement. I, you know, if you get me out the booth and, and, you know, say, what have you just read? I wouldn't have a clue. It goes in one ear and out the other and may have read half an hour on it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the bread and butter stuff, all your corporates and, and, and web videos. But I mean, something that sort of gets me to flex my muscles, I guess, you know, mm. being on sessions with radio producers even if it's a local radio thing tv ads something where we go into a studio and we play and we have fun something that we can be creative i'm in a very fortunate position because i do you know lots of the character stuff and accents and impressions people do come to me you know like we were saying earlier to try lots of different things yeah Um, and even if it's a straight read or you know we can do it in lots of different styles and give them lots of options so i'm very fortunate that uh, it it doesn't really get too uh boring for me you know i'm always sort of kept on my toes i like that i like a challenge well talking of challenges are there words that you just struggle with 
I don't think there are particular words, but one thing I will will let you into a little uh, trade secret is that when I make a mistake and I'm recording on my on my own, what I do is I go, and it comes up as two spikes on the waveform. So if I, and if I try, oh, and if I see what I can do is I can see the beginning where I made the first mistake, and then I've got three. They're going to be two massive spikes, and I can literally, without even listening to it, pick them up, delete it, and carry on. It's a very visual reference of mistakes. And sometimes I'm just to the fucking cows come home. It's honestly, I'm <laughs> winding myself. And sometimes I'm on a session with a producer and I forget and I'm reading something. And I go, all over London from, oh, oh shit, sorry. Oh dear. <laughs> what was that? No, nothing. Or, or sometimes if I'm, if I'm on a session and I'm self-recording and I will say to the producer, I'll say, now listen, one thing I've got to let you know is that if I make a mistake, cause I'm recording, I'm going to go and I tell them why, like I've just told you, you don't need to repeat it. I said, it's a visual thing for me when I edit it, the, fu- edit the fire for you. I said, I haven't got Tourette's. I'm not having some sort of breakdown. It's not sort of a problem with the line. It's me picking myself up and they laugh and they say, right, thanks Darren. So that's my little... Jesus. That's a nice tip. But it's a nice tip, as you say, uh, people who perhaps haven't done this yet, if, you, if you're editing at home, you do start to see the, on the waveforms, you do start to recognize things. I mean, I started, certainly when I was editing previous podcasts, I would see, I know, I know that's an, um, or I know that's a, <clears throat> you can start to recognize waveforms. And that clicking thing is a great way of yeah. making the editing process a little less painful. So if you've ever done a gig, or gigs come through and you thought that's that's tough or it's outside my comfort zone or are you the type of thinks right i can tackle anything i'll take it head on and you know see see how we go one thing i don't do and i don't profess to be doing to do um two things is audiobooks and medical reads i will leave the medical stuff to people that can read all that stuff i go and get approached uh, to do it really and that's absolutely fine. I wouldn't go looking for medical narration. Hmm. Audio books, I just, it's not my bag. I'd be dreadful at it. It would take too much preparation. I'd make too many mistakes. I'd get frustrated. So I will leave that to people that can do it much better than I. Because an audio book can take hours and hours and hours to, to do. Yeah. And you, you'd have... Oh, honestly, I'd be... Oh, I'd be fucking and shitting and <laughs> arseholing to the cows come. It would be, it would be <laughs> awful. So I'll leave that... In terms of things that, well, this is this is going off in a different tangent, but um, I got asked to audition. Uh, I did it a couple of times, and I wouldn't do it again if you paid me all the money in the world to do a, a, an audition for computer games. Yeah. And they said, um, I think I had to go to the place. It was near Brighton. And they said they were going to give me 50 quid expenses. And I drove all the way down, halfway down to Brighton. Yeah. And I had these characters, and they showed me, they said, okay, Darren, they showed me this, this image of like a warlock with armor and horns coming out of his thing and big fangs. And he was in massive, big thing. I said, okay, we're going to give him the voice. We want a sort of raspy voice. And he's, he's commanding his battalions to go into battle for this big war game. And I was giving it all of that. Man, man. Anyway, <laughs> I did that for half an hour. Yeah. And I went into the booth and he put so much processing and effects on it. It could have been my fucking mum. <laughs> Honestly, it, it, and I was soul destroyed. I didn't get the part. And all oh, I did dear. was I drove back to London, sucking on strep seals, like couldn't speak, knackered my voice for the rest of the day and probably the day after. And the, I thought, why did you get me to do that if you're going to put so much synthesis? So it just sounded, uh, it was 
Um, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was yeah. the biggest waste of time. What they were looking for, God only knows. It's the one thing I tend to shy away from. One, as soon as I see something that says, or for example, um, the voice is, is gruff and it sounds a bit uh, Welsh, but there's no actual words. So you've oh, got to kind of, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. thing. Oh, so, yeah. oh, but you're not actually saying any words. And I've, I've also, uh, I did do one where I was just copying. I did, and like you, I did that. I was just copying them. I hearing them in my headphones and then said, you copy it uh, and we'll record it. Did this for about an hour and came away from that absolutely hoarse, couldn't talk uh, for three days and I didn't get the job. So, I mean, when I say didn't get the job, they didn't use any of it. So, <laughs> well, I don't mind making not, you know, a lot of stuff we have to do. I've done dogs and cats, you know, I'm quite good at dogs, you know. I don't mind all that, but it was just, it was, yeah. um, but, uh, um, but, you know, giving myself laryngitis isn't part of the bleeding job description. <laughs> One last question, because we're coming to the end now. I, uh, something that I've often found that I do is my voice is quite deep, uh, but it's deeper in the morning. And so I mm. tend to say to, to clients, if you want a nice gravelly thing going on, get me down in the morning. I won't talk much in the morning and then I'll just come in and, you know, I've got, I'm down here. I'm, I'm in Morgan Freeman territory. Mm. As the day wears on, my voice changes. Some mornings I wake up and I can't quite access those bass tones for whatever reason. Maybe I've just, you know, I've got a dry throat. It could be anything. Do you ever go into a mm. studio and think, well, they want this, but I'm going to have, using your skills as a, an impressionist, that somehow fake a sound uh, and you kind of know in your in your heart of hearts, this is not how I want it to sound. I do get asked to do movie trailer style voices, right? But I'm not Red Pepper, and I'm not my friend um, Philip Banks, who's up in Scotland, yeah. um, who actually have on this show. Write his name down, Philip Banks. Philip Banks, got it. Done. You definitely need to talk to. To Sir Philip, they've just got this wonderful. I mean, I can do it, you know, like when I do my Jeremy Clarkson, I can lower my voice and make him sound like this. But yeah, one man, one desire, Simon Lipson. You know, so I've nestled up to the, the yeah, voice, yeah. Uh, the, the mic. I'm dropping my voice. It's not red pepper, but it's it's in the style of. And also, the other thing is, I can sort of cheat it. If I can do a he was an interviewer if you can sort of cheat it then you can add a little bit of vocal thickener or eq it or process it or you can it's cheating but i mean you know i do movie trailer things but i'm not a movie trailer voice well it's, it's i've noticed as we were watching you there obviously you're coming in closer to, to the mic and and taking a taking a bit of the oomph out of the voice just to access those breathy you know coming down you i come right into the microphone and i'm down you but i'm you know i can go back i don't know why i did that in welsh but anyway I mean, it's windsor davies <laughs> <laughs> lovely voice lovely well look this has been an absolute joy i've loved loved chatting about the the, the voiceover world and you've given us loads of insights and uh just a little peek into the world of the the voiceover i urge our listeners to get onto your as i said earlier get onto your social media stream because you've got tons and tons of content there 
impressions and deep fake stuff and you keep it current which is which is fantastic you have you have to styles change voices change and you know you've got to sort of go go with it you know otherwise you've got to move with the times and find out what's you know that's another thing you know if you go onto sky or bt you know you listen to all the promo voices there they're of a particular style maybe it'll change in a few years but there are definite current trends that that you know maybe if you don't do you have to be aware of you do you know well it's it's so true and i remember not that long ago there was a kind of a, a predilection for uh sort of slightly fey edinburgh accents in in every mm. advert wasn't there and the, you know yeah i'm here and up here somewhere and you know i've got to learn that i've got to learn that in case someone asked me to do it so as you say it's uh it, it is a trend thing and you do need to stay on top of it um and you you certainly do and i also urge listeners to go to uh, my interview with darren on making an impression features all kinds of brilliant impressionists like Rory Bremner and Alistair McGill and John Colshaw and many more. Um, we had a lot of fun doing that interview. And that was good. Uh, yeah, yeah, Darren yeah. gave us loads of brilliant voices. So go and have a listen to that as well. But in the meantime, let me just say to Darren Altman, voiceover supremo, thank you for joining me today on Your Popping and wish you every success uh, going forward. And uh, well, we'll chat again, I'm sure. Thank you so much, and uh, keep up the good work that you do. It's, uh, it's, it's great. Will do. Thanks, Darren, and uh, thanks to everyone for listening in, and join us next time on Your Popping. Bye-bye. You can find Your Popping on all the major podcast platforms, so why not subscribe and give us five stars? We also have our own Your Popping Facebook page, and our Twitter handle is at Voice Maestros, where you can also find links to our Making an Impression podcast, featuring some of the best impressionists on the planet.